0: Welcome to the Sydney Cricket Ground Ashes podcast as we count down towards what will be an amazing series, always is Australia versus England, and a man that's called the Test Series both here and in England for quite a number of years now, and I won't give exactly the number away, is ABC legend Jim Maxwell. How are you, Jim?
1: Jim, very well, thank you. Nice to be chatting to
0: you. Absolutely, and of course you and I have worked together both here and overseas for a number of years as well. Ashes cricket, it's... It's magical, isn't it, really?
1: Yes, it uh, brings back some very pleasant memories of my early days in the sun, sitting down in front of the uh, MA Noble stand watching the big games in the early uh, 6 62, 3, 65, six 3 65-6, the Ashes matches played then. Um, one of them won by Australia convincingly and the next um, lost by an innings, but... Um, yeah, very very special place the SCG for watching any sport, but particularly events like uh, the Ashes, which was probably the most anticipated rivalry of them all uh, in those days. If it's if it's not uh, today, but uh, you know that was before the West Indies became the superpower, as it were, in international cricket, um, and uh, sitting down there with an ABC uh, cricket book. Keeping the score, and while the uh, the boys out in the middle, the heroes of the day, and most of them were from New, New South Wales, of course, um, did their business. So it was special because if you didn't see it happen, you missed it. And there were no replays in those days.
0: No, absolutely. What, well, what, what I like just digging deeper into those memories, Jim, as a young man in in the '60s, and it was a very different looking Sydney cricket ground. But still, it still thankfully has maintained its its wonderful mystique with with the the member stand, and the lady stand, and everything built in between um, in sympathy with the ground. But back then, the Bob Stand and the Hill Stand and the Sherrod and the old Burongal and it, it. What was it like as a boy?
1: Oh, well, gang. Way back when my father used to take me out there before I probably had much interest in what was going on in the middle, it was more um, <laughs> picking up the uh, the empty blue bow bottles. And uh, if you got, uh, I think you needed four of them uh, to create enough for a new one. Around, uh, there's a little spot around the back of the member stand where you could take the empties and swap it for a, a blue bow orange or lime or something or other. Tooths used to run the the, the booze and the uh, soft drinks out at the SCG back in those days. Um, so I think that that's certainly when I was about eight or nine years of age who mm. was probably mm. more interesting uh, occupation, vacation than watching the cricket, which eventually grew on me in the way the, the rugby league and rugby union and, and everything else that was played at the, the SCG. I mean, I can think back to 19... Uh, 19- 65 was the first Sunday game of uh, rugby league played at the SCG. And Keith Barnes beat St. George, five goals from Barnes' boot to a converted try by St. George, Dick Haddad, uh, scoring under the posts. So that was a big, big day. And now, of course, we just take it for granted that sports played on Sunday. But of course, in those days, Sunday was always the rest day for a test match or a Sheffield Shield game. Um, and there wasn't too much rugby league played on, on Sundays uh, until we got well into the 60s and we had the SCG and, of course, the sports ground, the regular venues for all that. But, um, yes, it, it, it still is the number one, the SCG, because it is the only ground in Australia which has dressing rooms that were occupied by Trumper, Grace, Bradman, no other major ground in Australia has those dressing rooms anymore they've been demolished and replaced but there it is the old Edwardian uh, pavilions at the SCG in Dürer, uh, around um, uh, a well-developed architecture that's taken place in more recent years and um, that's why the SCG to me uh, is still the number one ground in terms of a, you know, a place full of tradition and reeking with history
0: yeah you and I are both on that same page and um the memories of our childhood uh, respectively that you they live with you forever, the <laughs> staying on rugby league there for a moment that was a very rare loss for that dragons team of that era because obviously they won 11 Premierships in a row and they didn't lose many games at all Well
1: no they didn't and that was getting towards the, uh, the end of their era and uh, it was a, a somewhat slower game than the one we're enjoying uh, today. Uh, with you know penalty kicks from scrums, for goodness sake, they were yeah. scrums in those days, and that's where Keith Barnes was uh, amazing, kicking with the, the toe of his boot, putting the ball down at angle, at an angle on the ground, and the, uh, I still remember uh, you know the sandboy coming out and giving him a, a little bucket to build his mound, and the, those five goals he kicked were all forty to 45 on the angle. And so it it was a remarkable day, a traditional defence on that uh, that concrete cricket pitch, as it were, Mm. in those days for the footballers. Um, I think they got a lot of gravel rash out there in the middle of the ground, but they were tough, tough, tough games, uncompromising.
0: There's been some drama in the Ashes Test matches at the SCG, hasn't there? I mean, uh, who could either forget if you were old enough to remember or anyone who loves their cricket would be uh, no doubt aware of uh, what happened uh, with Jon Snow.
1: Yes, that, that uh, day when he hit Terry Jenner and there was a, a little bit of a, a ruckus between the um, English captain Ray Ellingworth and... um oh, Lou Rowan. Lou Rowan. Lou Zuru,
0: Rowan,
1: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Rowan and Brooks were the umpires in that series. And uh, Lou Rowan could be a, a, a bit like a policeman, a bit truculent, and uh, he and Illingworth had a bit of a tiff. Um, after, uh, I think, um, Rowan decided bowling bouncers at lower order, Batsman wasn't on. And Terry Jenner, you know, basically walked into a bouncer and Jon Snow was was very sharp. But unfortunately, Ellingworth uh, then sent uh, Snow down towards Fine Leg after that incident. And the crowd was all souped up on their, their, their tin entertainment down in front of the old hill. And someone had to go at Snow and then the cans came on the ground when Willingworth decided to go off the field and then the umpires threatened Willingworth um, with a forfeit if he didn't come back. Oh, it was, it was pretty ugly. Um, and then in the, in the end, um, Snow uh, broke, broke down because he went into the fence down at, at, at fine leg um, and he, he couldn't bowl for the rest of the game. He dislocated his shoulder, I think in an incident down there with the crowd. But anyway, uh, it was very, very lively. And in those days, when they threw cans, they were were steel cans. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think it would have hurt. But it took quite a while to clear the ground and resume the game, which eventually England won. And I do remember as, uh, let me see, I would have been 20 at the time, I was in the English dressing room. Uh, I can't tell a whole story about that, but let's say I was there when uh, England won the game and Harold Lowe was brought out to the SCG to meet Ooh. the players on the occasion of them winning. And in the aftermath of that game, I bought from Geoffrey Boycott, who, who surprisingly was selling a lot of his gear at the end of the game, uh, I bought his pads for, for 10, uh, $10, I remember it, and I told him that story many years later when I was sitting next to him in the commentary box in England. And I said, Do you remember when you uh, sold a, a bit of your equipment at the end of the test match that you won and uh, regained the ashes? No, he said, I don't, I don't remember. And I had to give him a bit of information. He said, oh, well, you have to remember, we didn't make much money from cricket in those days. So uh, we we're often selling a game. Well, he was anyway. Anyway, he was, he was a bit taken aback that I raised this uh, some... Oh, 30 odd years later, forty mm-hmm. years later, and he said, "Here you are." And he opened his wallet, and he pulled out a
0: five-pound note, autographed, and he said, "Here you are. You got your money." <laughs> That's gold. I love it. He he, uh, he certainly lives to his his doctrine. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, nineteen forty-eight tour, of course, and uh, some of the uh, entrepreneurialship uh, of Sid Barnes and others with Stumps. But um, there's there's some there's some great stories in it around Ashes cricket. What what is what is the What was, rather, the first test match that you called, uh, the first Ashes test match that you called as part of the ABC team?
1: It was during World Series cricket in Mm. uh, 78-9. And um, it was a um, remarkable game. There were two games. It was a six-test series. And um, the one I remember at the SCG, Jimmy Higgs bowling a lot and being quite successful. But uh, Jeff Dimmick. It just got a wicket early in the innings and the next batsman in was Derek Randall and uh, he hit him on the pads walking across and Dick French was the umpire, not out. Well, yeah, there were no no replays that I can recall at the time but uh, Dick obviously thought the ball with Dimmick left arm, was pitching outside leg, I suppose, but it looked absolutely plumb. Anyway, uh, 10 hours later, Randall had made 170 odd in the game, and well, had gone from Australia's grasp. And not that they ever had much of a grasp of it during that series against Brearley's team with a second-rate eleven, captain by Graham Yallop. But that was the game I first remember, and Derek Randall batting uh, very sort of doggedly, attritionally for a long while to make sure uh, England build up. Uh, a very powerful position from which, as I recall, I think uh, Embiuri and Miller, the two off-spinners, went through Australia as as they did uh, in in the latter test. I mean, uh, I think the result was 5-1 in that series to to England. Um, England had a much more powerful A team than Australia who'd lost so many players to uh, Kerry Packer's World Series cricket. But that was the first test I called against uh, for the Ashes,
0: yeah, 78-9. No. Yeah, there's been some amazing moments throughout the Test matches and we can't mention them all. But I, I do uh, recall the Eddie Hemmings batting as a night watchman. That was quite a remarkable thing. Yes, well, and they the- almost
1: turned that around. That was the game where John Dyson was probably run out by a yard uh, but given not out. Uh, there were no, you know, at that time no re- replays to help the umpires, um, and he made seventy odd, uh, and, and that that uh, e- extraordinary game of uh, of cricket that was at the end of um, what was that the eighty six seven series? Mm. Uh, that was the Peter Taylor Test, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, the, the, yeah. If my memory serves me correct,
1: uh, at any at any rate, um, Hemmings batted for a, a long time. It ended up, I think it ended up being a draw, unless I've got my tests mixed up. But uh, Eddie Hemmings, yes, uh, he was the off-spinner in the England team and he came in as night watchman and he batted most of the next day and made 95. But these yeah. things get blurry over the years, a bit like Darren Goff's famous hat-trick that was missed by Channel 9 because they were doing the news. Um you might recall that one.
0: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that. It was in the afternoon I was there myself at the game. at the gun. Ga-
1: Channel nine, as they used to in those days, uh went off at the six o'clock news, certainly in New South Wales. And the game had been uh, delayed by a rain break. So they were playing extra time. And unfortunately, as it turned out, <laughs> Darren Goff took a, a hat trick. Um and they have I think they had to turn it around or something like that. Um but um, it was a bit like the ABC back in the seventies. Nothing stopped the seven o'clock news, and there were times back then when Channel Nine's six o'clock news pulled such an audience that even the cricket wasn't
0: going to stop. That that Darren Goff hat trick was a cracker too, wasn't it? It was a, it was a jam packed crowd, and and the English fans just absolutely went off.
1: Yes, but I think the day's play went on till than seven o'clock that day because of a rain break, um, and in and in those days. Uh, they used to just add the time on. Um, and uh, you might recall, uh, I think in that series, we ended up having uh, a um, a session in the Melbourne Test, which England won by 12 runs that went for more than three hours. Uh, so that sort of cued the ICC to restricting the amount of play you could have in any one session. and Because um, what you could do, if a result could be achieved on, say, the fourth day, as it was in Melbourne, you could play the extra hour uh, and all of that. But anyway, uh, that's what happened. And it was uh, one of those hat-tricks that wasn't taken uh, in, the, in at high noon like Peter Siddles in Brisbane some years later. It was taken late in the day. And a spectacular hat-trick
0: it was, yes. Yeah, and just going back to 86-87 and that du- debut of Peter Taylor, six for 78, and uh, he went on to play another 12, 12 more matches, but six for 78, Peter Taylor. He'd only played a handful of uh, games for New South Wales when he got tipped the country boy, and uh, there was all sorts of drama around phone calls and which Taylor was in at the time. So, uh, yeah, interesting interesting times. We
1: ever got to the bottom of that? Was it supposed I don't- to Mark
0: Taylor? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. They had uh, one opening batsman in that game. You
1: might recall, mm. Greg Ritchie had to open. I
0: think in that game, the great, uh, the great Greg Ritchie. Uh, well, I suppose the moment that stands out for most of us in the in the modern era at the SCG was again late in the day, and uh, Steve War uh, in the September of his career or the December of his career, uh, scoring a century on the final ball in an Ashes match. Uh, that was just remarkable. That
1: that was. In fact, there's a wonderful bit of um, ABC commentary with Kerry O'Keefe and Jonathan Agnew describing it and um, Kerry sort of having it on, on with Ag he uh, suggested that Steve would come back tomorrow, as it were, and, and finish off and get his 100. And uh, Kerry said, no, 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 he's going for gold. Steve's going for gold. And sure enough, he hit Dawson through the covers off the final ball of the day. And that was probably one of the biggest roars sustained by an SCG crowd from the moment he hit the floor until he got into the pavilion. Uh, It was an extraordinary finish to the day. Um, To a test match, Australia ultimately lost from memory. But um, Steve Ward said, yes, it was a kind of valedictory hundred in in many ways. It wasn't far from the end of Steve's career, but... uh, they, that that was thrilling. He was batting with Gilchrist. He kept giving him the strike, trying to give him the strike to enable him to get there. But uh, we sort of got to the, uh, the end of the day's play with Steve having got on strike and thinking, will he or won't he? And, yeah, yeah that, that would have to be one of the more dramatic moments uh, to finish a day's play in test history at the, at the SCG, certainly for the Yes.
0: Well, I I think if we look back, no one would have expected us to go through what we've gone through in Sydney and New South Wales in particular after the COVID dramas of last year. Uh, But we have and it's over now pretty much. So there's never really been a time in recent memory where an Ashes test match meant so much for the people of the state, the, you know, both those that live in the city and the country because the country members couldn't get there last year. But, uh, yeah, this really is rich in anticipation, isn't it, Jim, for for the traditional Sydney Test match just after uh, the new year?
1: Well, it's richer this year as things currently stand because uh, it's not the last Test of the series. And quite often in recent history, um, that Test match hasn't had a- Enough riding on it in terms of the series. Um, it's been the place where both, uh, as, well, Australia more than England, of course, 2010 11, when England vanquished Australia comprehensively, but all the other series really, uh, Australia has either been playing for a four or five nil result, or England the consolation prize of a victory at the end of a lost series. So it does potentially mean a bit more this time, being the fourth test of a five test series. And um, perhaps the series will still be in the balance uh, because we haven't had a lot of those uh, decisive uh, te- test matches in terms of the series um, going back over the last 20, 20, or 30 years.
0: Now, what do you make of the English squad that's been picked Uh some are calling them dad's army already, particularly with their bowling. But one of the things that the gla- is glaring to me is the fact that they've got England A touring at the same time, plus they'll have many players available to them who will be playing in the big bash. And then Ben Stokes chucked something up on Instagram saying how his fingers improved to the point where he can hold a cricket bat. So that squad may be a little different uh, throughout the course of the series.
1: Well, if Stokes was fit and ready to go at some point during the series – that would be a huge boost to England. Quite obviously, anyone who recalls his uh, amazing batting at at Headingley to win the game in 2019 knows what a match winner he can be. So England really uh, need a player of that kind of charismatic quality uh, to to win the series, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, Australia's really only got two batsmen you put your money on it at the moment, Smith and Lavishane, because Warner looks to be getting near the end of his career and you're not sure about who will open with him and who will come off at five at the six. Maybe Green will come through. Uh, yes, Australia's got some potent-looking bowling, but, you know, bowlers can break down. England's attack doesn't have the spark of an archer, but Mark Wood is a match winner if he's fit and able to get into it. Um, so both sides lack a bit of star quality, outside uh, a Joe Root on one side and Smith and Lady Shane on the other. Um, it might be a closer series than is anticipated, but as everyone's saying, it depends how England go in the first test at the Gabba, which uh, is often uh, the game that puts them out of business for the, the whole series if uh, they can't turn up with at least a, a, a draw or an extraordinary uh, start to the series. And if you look at their bowling, as I say, they don't seem to have the strike power. But what they do have are, are a few fellows who can bowl very accurately uh, and play the crafty patience game that might wear Australia down. So where on paper it does look as though Australia will probably win this series and may even win it well, um, you never know. There's, there's just that hint that something could occur uh, with one or two players coming off for England, Stokes perhaps coming back, as you suggest. So uh, let's hope that it's a a good contest and it takes us to the the Sydney Test at least uh, for the the series to be decided.
0: you excited by it, Jim? Looking forward to it?
1: Always looking forward to Test cricket. Test cricket is the most substantive form of the game. Um, And as long as there's Test cricket being played, Cricket will continue to be meaningful. It cannot survive on white ball cricket alone, um, I think. But, uh, you know, I could be considered a bit of a, a dinosaur. But I think even the players would say that the cricket they enjoy playing most, well, 90% of them, uh, is test cricket. Um, but how that fits into the schedule as we go with so much going on with new teams coming into international competition with uh, more white ball T20 particularly being played and the prospect that in the next few years we're probably going to see another IPL-type competition starting in America. And then when the corporate money uh, around sport from America comes in, who knows where the game's going to be headed. But for me, test cricket is the pinnacle of the game.
0: Yeah, well, and and cannot wait for the Sydney Ashes Test. Can't wait for the whole series. And, of course, whether you're driving along the Morning Peninsula, whether you're on a tractor route in the uh, outback of New South Wales, Western Australia in Queensland, or driving down George Street, cricket isn't the same without the mellifluous tones of Jim Maxwell on the ABC. Thank you for coming on the SCG podcast as we cast our eye to the ashes, Jimmy. Jim, lovely
1: to talk to you. Thank you very much for your very nice words about the game in the ABC. And um, long may the radio continue to uh, allow people to enjoy uh, the best that cricket has to offer.